Our scripture reading this morning is from the lectionary for Palm Sunday. It's Psalm 31, verses 9 through 16. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye wastes away from grief, my soul and body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with long sighing. My strength fails because of my misery and my bones waste away. I am the scorn of all my adversaries, a horror to my neighbors, an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have passed out of mind like one who is dead. I have become like the broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many, terror all around, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from your, the hand of my enemies and persecutors. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. May God bless the reading of his holy word. And everyone said, Amen.
If you would have told me in early March that we would be having a virtual Palm Sunday and a virtual Easter, I would have looked you square in the face and told you, you are crazy. There's no way that that's going to happen. The church has always gathered for these days. And this, in my mind, is sort of the, the beginning of Holy Week. Lent is coming to an end. Jesus is journeying to Jerusalem. He proceeds in, and the people adore him, singing and shouting, Hosanna! You can, like, feel the excitement of the crowd, and you can hear the cries of the people. You can see the vibrant colors as they take off their cloaks, and they, and they cover the road. Others, they cover the streets with branches, and they have hope for this Messiah. They have hope that the Redeemer is here. It is this fully embodied experience that takes all of them. So in the midst of this pandemic, uh, in the midst of social distancing, I have to admit that I've been thinking about this day. I've been thinking about Holy Week. I've been thinking about Easter. It definitely has been on my mind, this singular question. What is the meaning of Palm Sunday? What is the significance of Palm Sunday. But before we start asking questions about significance or meaning uh, for this passage for us today, um, let's get into the scripture. Our text comes from Matthew 21, uh, verses 1 through 11. And we'll do well to remember that Matthew is found squarely in the New Testament it's a gospel, which means, uh, synop- sorry, gospel which means good news. It's part of the synoptic tradition. That'd be Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tied together. And interestingly enough, this account of Jesus entering into Jerusalem is in all four gospels. And so hear these words from the gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole 
city was in turmoil, asking, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, this passage is made even more significant by all that has come before it. This is the 21st chapter of Matthew, after all, and a whole lot has happened in the 20 chapters before it. First, you have uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and there are these crowds that are gathering and listening to Jesus' teaching. They are astonished by his authority again and again. The people, they, they witness his ability to heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. They begin to wonder who this man is, if he is the Messiah. Messiah means anointed one. The crowds have been gathered for a while now, and Jesus had, has fed mass multitudes of people. And this whole thing, this whole procession into Jerusalem begins outside of Jerusalem, sort of in a suburb, if you will, on the Mount of Olives, where one of Israel's prophets, Zechariah, proclaimed that this whole thing would start there. That's where the Messiah would appear. Can you feel the anticipation in the crowd? Jesus just doesn't appear out of nowhere, dropping on the scene. He is ushered in by a mass of people. And it's during one of Judaism's highest holy times, the Passover. Jesus has predicted his death, but the crowd refuses to believe that such a thing could happen. They believe, they feel that Jesus has come to change things to oust Rome, and for Jesus to install himself as emperor, as president, as ruler of all. This is a passage that's kind of packed full of goodies. I don't know if you were following along with me as we were reading. When you begin to look at this passage verse by verse, all sorts of things sort of pop up at you here and there. Just a couple observations. For instance, did you notice that the text makes no mention of palm branches? It doesn't say anything about palms. It just says branches, which I think is interesting. Uh, it's just something that I noticed this time around. Did you notice that there are two animals mentioned? A donkey and a colt which is like the full, like a baby donkey. Like both of them are mentioned. So really Jesus is ushered into the city with two animals in Matthew's account. And did you notice that the crowd is shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Now this word Hosanna is kind of loaded with meaning. It's, it's loaded with assumptions and expectations. And it has a, a dual meaning. It means, it means two things at the same time. They're not independent of each other. They don't function over here like this. They mean two things together simultaneously. The first one is, it means, come and save us. It's like a cry of the people. Jesus, come and save us. And the second parallel meaning 
means salvation has come. It is here. It is now. It is present. So when they're saying, Hosanna, they're saying, come and save us. And everybody, Hosanna, look, it's here. Salvation is now. It's present. It's among us. It is here. It is embodied in Jesus. It means both of these things at the same time. And did you notice the uproar also in the crowd? Matthew uses the word that the city was in a turmoil. And the city, collectively, this mass of people is asking, who is this? Who is this person who is coming? They are saying it is the Messiah. It is the anointed one, king like David. Perhaps today, more than ever, we need to hear the message of Palm Sunday in our lives. When you look at this passage, it's, it's clear to me that people have projected expectations about what is going to happen. They have expectations that they are projecting onto Jesus, and they expect things to sort of play out in a particular way. And this is what I want us to wrestle with for the rest of our time together. I can't help but think about what it means to read this passage in a coronavirus era. I can't help but think about what it was for these first century Christians to read this passage and still be under Roman rule. It was um, context sets the stage for our interpretation. So what does it mean for us to come together and to proclaim Hosanna today, here and now? I think it means two things for us. The first is that God might have a different idea than our idea. And second, we need to proclaim Hosanna again. So let's take that first one. God might have a different idea than our idea. I've been reading a lot online recently, and I've been seeing a lot of people talk about how they hope we can get back to normal soon. Friends, what if I told you that we should not strive to get back to normal soon? What if what was normal is broken? What if the system of economics that we have used as a country, as a world, naturally exploits people, and it is a broken system, and we have seen it laid bare in these past few weeks, that we held before the coronavirus were not the values that we should, values that we should hold. What if the rhythm of life that we all were running at prior to coronavirus is not the rhythm of life that God is calling us to? So as you were thinking about what you hope for, what you hope we can return to, friends, I hope you are with me that it is not what it was. That is not the gospel. That is not the kingdom of God. 
that is of the world and it is broken, and we should not return to that. What we need to return to is what Jesus is establishing when he rides in peacefully into Jerusalem. What we should hope to return to is sitting at the feet of the Messiah who shows that his way of love, hope, and peace should be the default posture of our hearts. That's what I hope is the new normal that we return to. A society that takes Sabbath and rest seriously. A society that says, I am not defined by my work, but I am defined by my adoption to God's family. A society that recognizes that all people are children of God and everyone has inherent worth and dignity. It doesn't matter if you work or don't work. It doesn't matter if you are on welfare or if you need the system because the system is broken and what we need is God's kingdom come here and now. That's what I hope we return to as a recognition that God's kingdom is something far more than we could ever create as a civilization. Let's take that second one. We need to proclaim Hosanna again. This is in our history. It's in our DNA as Christians. It's in our culture as people who worship the God Most High. We are to be people who are expecting Christ to show up. We expect God to do new and exciting things. We are still waiting for God's kingdom to come in final totality. We are waiting and we are proclaiming Hosanna. And today in the midst of coronavirus, I think it still means that double meaning. May our heart cry out, Hosanna, God save us, because we have tried to save ourselves and it is not working. And so God, only you and you alone can save us. God, save us. And I think it still means, look, salvation is here. It is in Christ and Christ alone that we can find it. Friends, we, as a global community, as God's children, need to proclaim Hosanna again. Lord, come and save us. And may salvation be found in Jesus Christ. And so when things return to normal, my prayer is that they are an altogether different normal. And when we gather together, embodied once again as a community, proclaiming the gospel, singing songs of praise, breaking bread together, baptizing one another, passing the peace. May we look forward to all that that will mean, new and fresh in a post-coronavirus world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. 
As we continue our worship, we come to a time of prayer together. I want to encourage you during this time to enter your joys and concerns into the chat there on Facebook. It'll be a way that we can continue to pray for each other during the week. I'll begin with a short pastoral prayer, at least some time of silence. I know it's a little odd on live stream, but I'll encourage you to pray together as a family or as, as an individual. And after a while, we'll close together with the Lord's Prayer. So together, let's go to God in prayer. Merciful, compassionate God, our lives have been upturned, disordered, all sorts of messed up in the past few weeks. We admit that we have expectations. We have thoughts about how church should go, what worship should look like, what we should be doing during Holy Week, or what we shouldn't be doing during Holy Week. God, and those expectations, sometimes we project those onto you. And so, Lord, we admit today humbly that sometimes... What you have for us is different than what we have for us. We lay all of that at your feet. Today we gather and we pray for our world. We pray for our country. We pray for our neighbors. We pray for our family. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious, compassionate God, it's with the boldness of children that we approach your throne, laying these all at your feet, praying the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So friends, receive this benediction. May the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and the saving, abiding grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ, be with you all now and forever until we meet again next week. Amen.